welcome to talc teaching and learning consultation skills this is the talc talks podcast helping everyone who sees patients to improve their consultation skills to get better outcomes and this approach can even increase your job satisfaction Today's podcast concerns a module called TALC, Effective Methods for Teaching Consultation Skills. Today, I'm going to focus on the question, how can educators unleash the awesome power of generalist skills? David Epstein, in a recent book, remarked that generalists triumph in a specialised world. And one of the things I think is very important is to encourage clinicians to understand how consultation skills are a very powerful part of the generalist clinician's approach to caring for patients. Exploring some of the underlying attitudes towards what it means to be a generalist and what consultation skills can be used for can help people learn how to consult more effectively. Educators can foster these attitudes early on in training. If you want to improve your consultation skills, you need some key core attitudes to begin with. These attitudes include a willingness to see consultation skills as important for effective practice, not just for examinations, for example. A willingness to study the relevant academic material, for example, the consultation skills textbook or this module. A willingness to improve your skills by eliciting feedback from other people and deliberate and regular practice. A willingness to understand that developing new skills can feel very awkward and require some failures before getting it right. Some skills or habits may even need to be unlearned before new and effective skills are required. So there's sometimes quite a bit of attitudinal change needed for clinicians to shift to a place where they can really improve their consultation skills regularly. Generalist skills, of which effective consultation skills are but one component, are extremely powerful skills. Effective generalist consultation skills lead to more accurate diagnosis and more effective care. And when effective consultation skills have been acquired, they can be used in a wide variety of situations. For example, effective information gathering will always make for more accurate diagnosis. And being skilled in breaking bad news can be helpful, whether you're telling someone they have a slightly abnormal smear, right through to explaining a very serious cancer diagnosis. So... Effective skills can also save time in consultations because attention is focused on what really matters and there's less repetition. Attitudes and values can readily be explored in discussions with learners, both in one-to-one tutorials and in groups. It can be very worthwhile to fully explore attitudes to learning consultation skills. What benefits do they see to medical care from better communication? Have they themselves experienced helpful or unhelpful medical communications? Do participants see consultation skills as being mainly for the exam rather than being key professional skills for a lifetime's work? How do they feel about being watched, videoed or receiving specific feedback about their skills? If they're uncomfortable with this, educators need to explore attitudes to failure and try to reframe deficits using the every defect is a treasure idea or the acronym FAILS, which stands for First Attempt in Learning. The chapters Helping Participants Get On Board with Consultation Skills Education, Building Basic Concepts, and Am I Nearly There Yet? Skills for Receiving and Giving Effective Feedback will be especially useful in this respect. 
If problems are identified, it provides good opportunities for learning and daily clinics provide excellent opportunities for regular deliberate practice. However, sometimes to appreciate the powerful benefits that result from having effective consultation skills, participants need to reflect on some common scenarios and develop their appreciation of how generalist skills can help them manage quite seemingly different types of problems. One approach to this is to use something called the ambiguous sorting task. In this, a series of disparate types of problems are presented as little clinical vignettes and participants are asked to classify them according to which scenarios are about the same kind of subject. Now let me give you some examples of this here. So for example, there could be a vignette of a male age 62 with type 2 diabetes, poorly controlled, he's overweight and obese, already on metformin, citagliptin and glibenclamide. There could be a case of somebody who's not diabetic, age 53, comes for results. Sadly, their results show that their HbA1c is 63. Their father died age 54, the same age as them, of complications of diabetes. Now, those two cases both might seem to be about diabetes. But let's think about the connections that those cases might have with these two cases. A woman aged 27 who's a heavy smoker has a prolonged cough after an upper respiratory tract infection. It's much better now and she's relieved the chest x-ray is normal and she remains worried about cancer. Or another case, a male aged 34, a taxi driver, he comes for a return to work fit note. Recently he had a grand mal fit with headaches and he's awaiting the outcome of scans and neurology assessment. Now, it's, it might seem that both of those cases are something to do with cancer, but let's think again. The male patient with diabetes who's obese and who's got poor diabetic control, and the female age 27 who's a heavy smoker, actually have a lot in common. The skill set that the doctor needs to deal with them is really about helping patients to achieve behaviour change. This is sometimes called motivational interviewing. So looked at from the point of view of skills, both those patients need the same skill set. Similarly, somebody who's coming for results that show they've got diabetes when their father died of the complications, and somebody coming for a return to work fit note they can't have because they've had a grand mal fit, are both examples of the skill set of breaking bad news. Using a whole series of vignettes in this way can help trainees and participants to understand the difference between domainal knowledge, that's to say, the knowledge you need of a particular disease or illness and its treatment from the skills you need to look after a patient with those problems. Nine scenarios may only really require three consultation skill sets. It can be empowering and motivating to see that learning a few skills very thoroughly can actually help you in a wide range of clinical situations. Somebody called Gentner and her colleagues referred to deep structures when they developed a similar exercise for university students. And looking at similar vignettes with different lenses can help trainees to really understand what generalist skills are all about. This can be quite enlightening and empowering and sharing insights with other people in a group can be very effective and some peer modelling can come into play as well. You might like to look in detail at the chapter called How Can Educators Unleash the Awesome Power of Generalist Skills, where there is a set of vignettes to illustrate this principle.
look out for other chapters in the module Effective Methods for Teaching Consultation Skills, including Is it cheating to look things up? And should we jump in at the deep end? This podcast was brought to you by NHS Professional Educators, making training available to all.